Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Father, we thank you tonight for the preciousness of the fellowship of the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that it, I, and I, I prayed this today, Lord, but I want everyone here to hear me say it. Thank you. I'm thankful, Lord, that you set people in the body as it pleases you. Yes. And I'm thankful that tonight you've set me in this body. I'm thankful to be a part of this fellowship. I'm thankful to be a part of this camp of believers. This, I'm, th- I'm thankful to be a part of these people that have been called, Lord, into a working knowledge of the Word of God, of the spirit of faith, of the flow of the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for the fellowship of the saints. Lord, we are privileged to live in this day, this hour, this appointed time and this appointed place. And we take that, as Nancy said, very soberly. Everything that we do, we take it, Lord, knowing that, that no moments should be wasted as we all move towards the coming of the Lord. Help us tonight, Lord, that we would have ears to hear, that our eyes would be opened so that our understanding would be flooded with light and that there would be a free flow of utterance from the throne of God. In the name of Jesus, I give myself over to you as we all do, to do as you please, Lord, in this time together, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you may be seated. What a blessing it is to be here tonight. I'm so thankful, thank you guys, that was wonderful. I've so enjoyed the music, I've enjoyed being here. It's always nice to be up here, get to look around. You know, I'm so used to seeing the the broadcast, but just from out there looking this way. So it's kind of nice to look around and see. Nice to have have you here. Thank you for coming. First of all, I think I have a few EMIC, e-makers. Can I see my e-makers back here? I say, oh, look, (laughs) they're the crazy people in the back, back there. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. These are a couple of my Luke 8 women that travel and (laughs) and testify and and the Lord, yeah. I wanted to say, first of all, Pastor Debbie today, that blessed me so much. I love hearing about the local church, and it was a great word, but I just had a ball listening to you. <laughs> I think you could have quoted the ABCs up here, and I would, I, I would have been blessed by it. I just, I called my husband and said, this gal, we got to have this gal come around sometime. I said, she, she's amazing. I said, I like her. She's Mexican and likes to talk about being Mexican. I like that. That's just wonderful. I love it. I love it. I love it. So thank you so much. But you know, there was something in your message today that now, and I appreciate Pastor Nancy pointing out about the television and that that was something and I won't go down that path. That would take a while other than to say that I knew from what looks to me now like a very early age that my, my, I was gonna, I thought, my dad first went to Oral Roberts University, I was 10 years old, so, or about to be. And I remember, see, I saw the picture of the prayer tower, I thought, I am going to go to ORU. Uh-huh. 
And then within a few years and a lot of other things happening, I began to see that I had a call in television, but it was only as it was associated with my dad. I'm gonna go to Oral Roberts University. I'm gonna study television. And I'm gonna put my dad on TV. Yeah. Well, that sounds wonderful, except he said, don't bother me with that. <laughs> <clears throat> and he wasn't real nice about it when he said it. So while you endeavor most of the time to do what your parents said, I completely ignored him on that one. <laughs> uh, but so over the years, you know, because of that, I've heard people reference the broadcast and seen the testimonies. And, and that's always a blessing. It's great to be a part of something that's impacted people's lives. I'm thankful Amen. for that. But, but um, I don't know, something when you were telling it today, it touched something in me that I... I don't know that I've ever had touch me that way about that particular testimony. It stirred in me so much when you were saying that and I thought, I produced that program that you watched. I'm, I produced that. I mean, that. When you heard him two years before that, I produced that program. And a lot of the things that people didn't know on the closes and so forth, I, I wrote his copy. And he would say, he'd say, Terry, you put words in my mouth better than I do. <laughs> little, did I know I would, little did I know I'd be practicing for days such as this. So I'm still looking for those same set of words. Um, I'm very pleased to be Kenneth Copeland's daughter. Kenneth Copeland's daughter. You know, you remind me a lot, um, Nancy, of my RA at ORU. And she, is, uh, she was beautiful. I so looked up to her. And... and so uh, she told me one time, she, um, she said, oh, you know, I know you need to be known for your own ministry because things start opening up even when I was at ORU. And I said, you want to be known for yourself, she said. I said, oh, Lord, why would I want to be known for myself? Nobody would want to hear me. I said, they just, I don't care if on my tombstone it says, here lies Kenneth Copeland's daughter. That's fine with me. That's fine with me. But the way it is these days, my tombstone will have to be about this tall. And it will say, here lies Vanetta Copeland's granddaughter, Kenneth Copeland's daughter, George Pearson's wife, Jeremy Pearson's mother, Aubrey Mitchell's mother. And the way some of the grandkids are looking, it'll have to have their names down there too. So I have completely lost my identity and all the wonderful <laughs> ministers of God, but that's okay. I like it. I like it. But because it so touched me, I wanted to mention this one other thing. In 1982 into 83, I had a very, very, it, it was, as Nancy mentioned, it was a dark season in my life. And, and I think uh, um, Big John Hall said one time to me, he heard me giving a little bit of my testimony and he, he said, you know, ministers aren't worth anything until they've really been through something. And so uh, I, uh, you know, I didn't want to say praise the Lord, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was a really hard time. And that's, that's another story within itself. But God moved in that. And it, it, it didn't, it wasn't just deliverance for me. It wasn't just darkness. It wasn't just depression, oppression, and so forth. It wasn't just that. I came out of that with a resolve. I came out of it 
It, it was like somebody has said before, it was like being born again again. Yeah. You know, I, I came out of that into a different place and a different place in God, a different awareness of my calling in him, my sense, because I was so close to losing all of it. And all of that became so, so very precious to me. And right out of that, there was a song that came out at that time. And uh, in fact, the, the first thing that the Lord moved me, it was one of the first steps he moved me towards a, a more regular um, pulpit ministry, more public ministry, which I had always been, spoke in different places, different times, but this was, was the first turn in that direction, first turn. So it would be uh, 10, 10 years before we started pastoring from then, but he started turning me that way then. And there was a song that came out and that song so described what happened to me is because um, it was so much like being born again, again, that I had this awareness of a perfect heart. It was your song, Reba. And so that song, whenever, and the devil tried to come, of course, to talk me out of, I had to stand to keep the place that I had come to. I had to stand to keep it. And, And hopefully we'll get through tonight and tomorrow, some of the same things that um, help me will help you. But I would go to that song. I would go back to that song and listen to it because there was something in that song. You know, this was something that David Ellis, wherever David went, uh, there you are, David. This was something David and Ellis and I had talked about that happened once in one of the spirit moves in our church. And the Lord said that time, every place in God has a sound. Every place in God has an accompanying sound. In Hebrew, every letter is a musical note and and a sound. And every letter is a word. Every letter means something, unlike our letters, which in themselves don't mean anything. But in Hebrew, each each letter has, it's not just a word, it's it's a sound. So every place in God has a sound. And when by the Spirit, you go back to that sound, it will open up that place. Now, if you try to go there just by out of just carnality or whatever, or even just because you think that's cool sound, it won't necessarily open that up for you. But there was so much of that in that song that if I needed to refresh that or reconnect with what the Lord had done, I would go to that song. So it was a blessing to me. And I thought, this is beautiful. So I can thank you for how that touched me. But in the same, at the same time, hopefully touch you knowing that in 1983, the song that you wrote, I looked it up today, 1980, that that song though spoke to me. And for a long time, I hung on to that song. I think the Gaithers recorded it as well. And so that song, I would play it before I would go speak somewhere to remind me and it, because it would open that place in me. And for a long, for a long time, that, that was the place I ministered from was what the Lord had touched in my life. So I'm very thankful. And then last, I want to go ahead and say thank you, even though um, if I do okay tonight, they're going to let me come back tomorrow. But (laughs) 
even so, I wanted to go ahead and just say thank you to Nancy and all the team teams. You know, I, I as you know, I, we pastor, so I know what it takes. I know what it takes. Well, that's not even true. I don't even really know what it takes. It takes a lot more than I could even be aware of. Sometimes we come in and I see people doing things. I go, oh, wow, that's cool. I didn't know they could do that. And so it wasn't always that way, though. It wasn't always that way. There weren't always people on the ready. There weren't. Sometimes people would do things and all you could say, well, that was a good intention. God, God bless the motive of their heart. You know, and, uh, you know, just praise the Lord. But, but it, so it wasn't always but time and God and grace and help. But you have everything you've done. And ever since I have met you or been around you, the atmosphere of excellence that you bring, it's inspiring and it's helpful. And just I see that in the people that surround you. And so you are, as a congregation, you are partakers of her grace. And that's the way the Lord designed it, is that we be partakers of the grace from the people that he has put to dispense grace to us. And you do it, you do it very well. And so I wanted to say thank you to each of you, those, all of you who are unsung heroes and what you do for a conference like this, especially you TV people, shout out, shout out, I know what you do. <laughs> No, well, I, I lived in a dark box for many years, a TV truck. My son, who is about to be 44, said to me just the other day, he said, you know, every now and then I still have flashbacks of waking up in the TV truck. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it's like, and now he is one of the programmers on the Victory Channel. And my daughter is also helping to produce my husband's new program called Inside the Vision. And she co-hosts that with him. And we've got a program in mind for her. So raise up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old enough, they're, they're scared to depart from it. So. <laughs> it's just what, yes, praise, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, I feel like I need to pray again. <laughs> Maybe I will. Lord, Lord, I lay my hands on these notes. <laughs> I'm asking for a divine utterance. Whether you speed up my mouth or slow down their ears or whatever, their clocks, their watches, you help me, Lord, in Jesus' name. So I don't want to scare you. But the last time I taught all this, it took 12 weeks. But I... <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's a two-hour time difference, you know, <laughs> where I'm from. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, I, would, I so love talking about and teaching on the Holy Spirit. Every aspect that I can think of I, I, I just love it. And the, the hardest part, the biggest challenge of it is knowing which little piece of it do we stop to look at. And the wonderful thing, this is one of the most wonderful things about the Holy Spirit, and most in particular in talking about him, is that whatever he shows you, whatever he tells you, whatever you talk about with him, 
that very thing that comes, it's, it's like a, a flower that will blossom into all kinds of other areas that you, you don't even know that you never, you never discussed, but he just shows up. He, yes. he is, when he is invited, he moves in because he's, he's breath, he's air. He's, he, he functions like air. He functions like water. And that wherever there's an opening for, he just fills it. He just, have, he just fills it. And I love that so much about him. So tonight, I wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, the importance of the, the central piece of our success as Christians is to be worshipers of God in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. And what the Lord knows how to do, in, because he, he, he ministers to us as the church. There are things that happen in the body of Christ. And they're worldwide, whether we know it or not. We call those moves of God. And after, after some years go by, you go back and go, oh, look what, look what the Lord did. And you can see that from early, late, late 1800s, in the early 1900s, what was the Lord doing? He was restoring the Holy Spirit's, uh, yes. the awareness of him and his ministry and what was, would be called maybe the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but really it was just the open door to it and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then time goes on, then we saw a great move of God where the word was concerned. Yeah. We saw healing. We, healing was restored. Then we saw the move of the word of God and that uh, lasted longer than any other, other than the move of the spirit in the 1900s, which has never gone away. Now it's had, it's had waves, you know, surges, but it's never gone away. Neither has the word of faith that began to move in the late 1960s into the 70s and 80s and into the 90s, but there was, there was a push behind it. There was a push. But now what's come along? Well, the Lord showed it to me this way. It's like, like cross-country skiing. And you move along with one this way, then one that way, then one this way. And that's the way these moves have been. And all along, you're coming up to a higher level in God. But now the Bible says that in these, the fullness of the last days that we're in, the, fina the finality, the final, the ending of the last days, what's happening is that those, two, all of the, the, everything, everything promised, everything that Jesus made a way for by his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, all of it, has to come to pass before he returns. Everything he intended to be operative in the church in this age, it can't be left undone. It can't be left unfinished. So for us to move forward, we must constantly be reminded of these things that we have learned, but as we learn them, we're moving forward. So what we go back and look at again actually moves us forward. We're not, we're not repeating where we were a hundred years ago. We're not repeating where we were five or 10 years ago. So even when you hear things that you've heard before, my husband says, don't inoculate yourself against the word of God. Don't, don't get to a place to where, oh, I've heard that. I've heard that. But rather when we have ears to hear and we hear it, that next time it continues to move us forward. And we are moving forward now more rapidly than ever before 
towards that coming of the Lord. So I will say some things that I'm sure that you have heard, but let's, let's see where this takes us as we talk about him, as we think about him, as we let him open, open our understanding of him and his ways. The Holy Spirit is still yet the most understood person of the Trinity. And even though he is the most active one, the most present one, and maybe we'll get to touch on that. So in John 14, 16, and I'm going to, some verses I'll read, some I'll just refer to because we really have a lot of territory to cover. But in John 14, 16, an Amplified Classic, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter. And this word, comforter, it, the love the Amplified Classic is it breaks it down, you know that. But this comforter means an aid, a helper, a standby. And it's broken down into these seven words. Counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. He will give you, the Father will give you. So the Holy Spirit is all of these things. John 14, 26. But the comforter, the, the counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, it says, whom the Father will send in my name. What does it mean in my name? It means in his, well, the understanding of a name from a Middle Eastern or a Hebrew culture was far more significant than it is to us because we just make stuff up. <laughs> and about the only way that we can really uh, sometimes get the idea of a name is when you say a name that represents something or someone bigger than life. Because yeah. if uh, before a few years ago, the name Trump, mm -hmm. right. but now you say Trump and a whole lot comes to right. mind. Yeah. There's, a, there's a whole, <laughs> there's an empire, there's a political empire, an entertainment right. empire right. and so forth. So that name, but in Jesus name, his name in a single name is everything, every name of God given among men. It's the only name that represent that in one name says every name that's given among men. So whom the Father has sent in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. Wait a minute. So the Holy Spirit has come to act to take action on everything that name is. Apart from the Holy Spirit, the name, it cannot be activated in your life. Everything in God, the Holy Spirit is the agency of everything in God. We'll see a little more of that as we go. And he will teach you all things. He will cause you to recall everything I've told you. Well, I've always attributed to that, and I accurately, I believe, that whatever you, you need that, it's like every sermon. Nobody can just automatically recall everything you've ever heard. But, but when you put a demand on it, there'll be recall. But the Lord took me just a little bit, just a little step further just the other day. And he said, it's more like muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. 
something you have done enough times you don't even think about it. He brings, he recalls it into action. There are so many things and responses we have, whether it's to situations, uh, uh, circumstances. I think back on moments of intense life and death crisis. I've had a few of those. You know, I've been at the end of a gun before and, and not the pretty end, okay? The, the, the serious end of a gun. And with that aimed at us in a gunfight. And so in that moment, you, you know, it's not the time to think, now what did Jesus say about that? I'm telling you, you know, I just tell you real quick. So we were in Guatemala, so I'll just condense this way down. In Guatemala, a lot of things happened. We wound up, we were pulled over by what turned out to be that we thought they were military. They were not pulled over. Uh, and I had, it was a team of us down in Guatemala. Um, I was going down to do television and my husband went to cover it for the magazine. And so down there with our little group and they pull us over and then they come with machine guns and so forth. They get out of the car. So they known for stealing the car and sometimes they kill the people and throw them off in the ditch. And we were just about to head into a jungle area. I mean, we were, we were in nowhere. There's nothing out where we were. So we're pulled over into the ditch. And just at that time, this military truck, it was loaded with uh, civilian military employees, but not all of them armed. We found out later, but they came up over the hill right behind us and this gun battle ensues and we're right in the middle. And so I'm laying in this ditch and I'm looking and I'm looking under the car and bullets are bouncing all around us and, and the, I see a guy go down with a grenade launcher and boom. And so this, I mean, this is a real deal, right? And so I'm laying there in this ditch. We're just piled up and I was... They started the fight thing and I stood up to look to see what was going on. <laughs> so my husband grabs the hair of my head. He literally did. He grabs my hair and said, get down. <laughs> so we're just heaped up in this ditch and somebody's foot's in my face and I don't know what was up. And I could hear somebody praying in tongues. I mean, they were praying in tongues like they meant it. Okay? I am listening to this. I'm hearing those. I mean, this is like, wow, it's powerful tongues. And, and meanwhile, my mind is going, well, I wonder what it's like to be shot. And I'm just... My heart was beating so hard, my body's coming up off the ground like this. I don't know, but this person praying in tongues and I'm listening and listening. It was me. It was me. I was so surprised. The guy, Jim Zirkle, y'all may remember the Zirkle, so Jim said, that's right, that's right, pray in tongues. I thought, uh, that's how I realized I was. I started to pray in tongues and I already was. So that's how I did. <laughs> Anyway, why did I tell you that? Well, because he recalled. There was recall. There was recall. There was recall. And the times when I've been in situations and I needed the word right there, it was recall. That 
is a work of the Holy Spirit. But it's equally the work of the Holy Spirit when it's just a soft thought to your mind. Praise the Lord. In John 16, 7, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it's profitable for you to, that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Comforter will not come to you and be in close fellowship with you. To be in close fellowship with you. Uh, Patsy Caminetti said something to me one time. We, I don't remember what we were talking about in particular, but then this scripture sticks out to me. And she said, you know, something must go up for something to come down. Jesus went up so that the Holy Spirit could come down. And so this is to be in close fellowship with you. And a, a friend of mine, a Jewish rabbi, and I, I just throw this out there too. Um, at this pace, we will be here till tomorrow morning. Uh, <laughs> and I said, I said to him, Rabbi, what do the Jews say about women? And he said, Ah, oh, God never regresses in creation. <laughs> So God never regresses in anything. He never regresses. So to think that the Holy Spirit is somehow the B team. He's a placeholder. He is not a placeholder. He is not a placeholder. In fact, when Jesus comes, we will be caught up in the Spirit to meet Him. So apart from the Holy Spirit... The rest of it is, is um, an empty promise. So in John 16, 8, when he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about, about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. He put that to you another way. He will come. He will convict the world with demonstrations that show sin versus righteousness. A lot of what we're seeing right now, I believe, while the devil is behind the sin part, it's being orchestrated in such a way. Think about Egypt, right? And the Israelites. It's being orchestrated in such a way that it's very clear. Sin versus righteousness. Because as the Holy Spirit moves in it, though, here's the difference. When the Holy Spirit moves in it, then there's a conviction that rises. We're talking about not having any center. The only way that this is going to be able to turn would be for a move of the Holy Spirit. We don't have time to start over with another generation. So this is all the work of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 12 through 13. I still have many things to say to you, but you're not able to bear them. You can't take them upon you or even grasp them. But when he, the spirit of truth, The spirit of truth. What does that mean? The spirit of truth. We read over these things and it's almost like we give it a yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what that is. He is, he is, Jesus said, my words are spirit. But this just says the spirit is of the word. The spirit of truth. There is, they are. This Godhead, God, three persons, we just sang about it. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Blessed Trinity. 
the, the word and the spirit, the, the word came by the spirit. This, but the spirit moves nothing apart from the word. It's, it's this, this divine union that is incomprehensible under the limitations of, of mental or naturalness. Even as far as he can reveal of himself now, it is, it is so scant and scarce and shallow compared to the, the dynamic of this unity of this, the triune being of God. He is the spirit of truth. And he, God, think of this. He will guide you into the truth. He will guide you into himself. Jesus is Jesus. The word of God was first the spoken word. Then it became the written word. Then Jesus became the living word. There's another Trinity right there. Another set of three, the spoken, the living of the written and the living. And all three are in absolute, complete and total. They don't just agree. They don't just say, yeah, yeah. They're, they're exactly the same. They're one. They're one. Hallelujah. And if what he tell, what he will tell what he hears from the father and he'll give the message given to him. He will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. Jesus said to his disciples, think of it, three and a half years they've been traveling with him and he said to them, I have more to tell you. I have more to tell you, but you couldn't even take it if I did. How much do you think Jesus is limited that he can't even tell us? But thank God for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has the way he is because of his, the, the character, um, the, his nature. Yeah. He is able, he says, to declare it to you, to announce it and to declare it. What does it mean to announce? You know, I used to amplify it. Sometimes you think, well, those two words mean the same thing. It's just being, repeating itself. But it, not quite, no. not quite. In English, I mean. Yeah. Announce means to make known to proclaim the arrival or to foretell. But to declare can mean to announce, but it means to affirm authoritatively to reveal and to manifest. So while the Holy Spirit will tell you something, he'll also explain it. And he will tell you something so that you understand it and he will also bring it to pass. He'll manifest it. In other words, he'll let you know what he's doing. He'll let you in on some secrets before he even does it. In John 14, 16, 14, he said, he will honor and glorify me because he'll take from me what is mine. He will reveal, amplified, declare, disclose, and transmit it. In other words, he will declare it to you. He, he, it will be a bold statement, but if you miss that, then he'll begin to disclose it and unfold it. And if that don't get it to you, then he'll just transmit it. He'll just <laughs> get it in there. Yeah. 
He will announce things to come in the future. He will honor and glorify Jesus. He reveals what belongs to Jesus from the Father that he's giving to you. And Jesus said everything. Think about this. So everything from the Father that Jesus had laid down, he gave to Jesus and then said, now you can freely give that to the church, to the body, but how's he going to get it to you? By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the revealer. The. He is the, the only revealer. Not angels. Not people. We may be instruments of revelation, but I can't reveal anything to you. I could explain and explain and explain and explain. But the revelation of God must come by the Holy Spirit. He can and will speak through people. Jesus put that in the church. We heard some of that today. But we still only seek him. We don't seek people for revelation. We may seek people that can help bring us revelation. We still only seek him. He can speak through angels, but we only seek him. Now, I, I think it's important to say this because you see a rise of things. It's like Brother Hagen uh, said, and now I'm old enough, I can say it too. So you stay around long enough, you see stuff cycle through. Okay? And I suspect in these last days, just like the, the promises of God must all be fulfilled, then the devil's trying to get his licks in too. And so I see a rise among Christians trying to talk to angels, seeking that. I heard a woman pray and tell angels, go bring me a word of wisdom. Don't do that. There's no scriptural, there's no scripture. Now we might see angels that were brought some, but where did they come from? They came from the throne of God, not your living room. So we don't seek them for anything, nothing. It's it's more dangerous now than it would have ever been. It's always dangerous to anybody, but the danger is compounded now. So there's no promise of being led or instructed by angels, praise the Lord, or interacting with them. Just don't, don't, it's just safer, just not. I, and when I say don't interact with them, I mean, don't be seeking that. Don't be looking for that. You know, I mean, I'm expecting it. Lord, I'm, I'm available. You do what you want to do. And I, I've had a few experiences with them uh, in, a, in a small, I would say a smaller measure, but, but uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking for that. How about being, how can we hear and be led by this marvelous being, the per, this third person of the Trinity. Did you know what the most frequently used phrase Jesus ever said? But it's in the New Testament more than any other phrase. It is, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 15 times Jesus is quoted saying that. Almost half of them, or maybe more than half, are in the book of Revelation, and this phrase is added to it. He says, let him hear 
what the Spirit is saying to the church. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. There are three dimensions of the Spirit. The first one is that he's with you, or you could say he's for you. And that's all through the Old Testament. That's demonstrated and God let Israel know, I am with you. I am among you. I am for you. As far as you will allow me to be for me. If you'll be for me, I'll be for you. In the New Testament though, in John, we find out Jesus said, he shall be in you. He shall be in you. In John chapter three, Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born of the spirit. You must be reborn of the spirit. When did that first happen? When was the first recorded incidents of people being born again? In John 20, 22, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. So they being born again, but then also at that very moment, the Holy Spirit began to be present among, among them. Just that little handful of people, you know, that later gathered together. I believe there were more than 120 of them. We know there, there were oh, four or 500 people that Jesus appeared to. And I think people were coming and going in and out of that upper room. Can you imagine being one of the ones that skipped church that day? <laughs> Somehow that little league game just didn't measure up. Did I just step on somebody's football toes right there? I think I did. So, so, but he was already moving among them. We see that. So in them and, and, and among them, but here's the big wow. The fullness of both of those, when it came together, it's like when uh, a husband and a wife, they get married, what happens? Then a third entity is created. The union of both. It's, it's a three, the Bible calls it a threefold cord. Okay. So you, that's why you still get to be you and you still get to be you. But this union between the two is something that didn't exist before. So in this, when the fullness of those two came and the Holy Spirit moved in here in the fullness of his earthly ministry, did you ever stop to think about that? This is his earthly ministry. Jesus' earthly ministry was three and a half years. The fullness of the Holy Spirit's earthly ministry. This is when he he got full reign, no longer held back because of what we sang about, the blood of Jesus. We sang about the blood of Jesus. That opened the door for then the Holy Spirit to come in in the fullness of his earthly ministry. And so what happened then, they were baptized into or or baptized in his ministry, baptized into him. Jesus said that many days from now, you will be baptized, some say with, some say in, but baptized into him. We were immersed, immersed into him to be born again. Holy Spirit is in you, but to have the um, 
ministry of the Holy Spirit and his fullness, when you yield to that, then we are in the fullness of him. And when those two come together, there's a greater filling on the inside of his presence and a presence of him on the outside, the spirit within and the spirit with upon, which creates this, this, the, the two in their fullness that never existed before creates a dimension and a dynamic in and of itself when given, when given over to. The explosiveness of God in and on man was displayed in the second chapter of Acts. And what happened? Well, we had the sound from heaven, the mighty wind, it filled the house, so there was outward manifestation, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like fire. Okay, this was not the <laughs> flick your beck moment. Think about the, the sun. Think about that ball of fire that is so far away from us, and yet its effects, it, it, it's, it is the li a life source for this planet. It's power of that. And now we know through telescopes and so forth, we can see that fire does what? It leaps off. Sometimes those particular... Uh, tongues God. leap off to such intensity it disturbs everything here. Yes. Solar flares. Messes with everything. So when the Holy Spirit came, there was fire jumping off of him. Some on you and some on you and some on you and some on you and some on you. And it was, it was all coming out of the same ball of fire. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and they yielded to it. Yes. What happened? 3,000 people were saved that day. And the, the, the gates were so open wide to the signs and the wonders and the miracles and this, the whole envelope of earth, the, the atmosphere, everything. Everybody knew this is different in a way you couldn't, could, there, were, there were no words for it. Right. Yeah. Or were there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> There had to be a language so big and so wide to begin to, begin to even touch on, to begin to express what was going on as heaven moved into earth's atmosphere. It took all the tongues of men and angels coming together in an, in an endless, innumerable combination of words and sounds and expressions and, and delivered in such a way and it just came up and out of them and thank God they didn't resist. They yielded to it. And this flood came out of it. And from that, that, that flood of words, yes. 
words that came out of the spirit, the realm of the spirit, they were now empowered to speak those words, to utter words from that realm of the spirit they hadn't been allowed to even utter before. And they start speaking those words and from that flood of the words of the Spirit opens up this move of God that while over the centuries has had some setbacks has never been shut down. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So what about those other tongues? Acts chapter 2, they began to speak with other tongues. What are they? Are are tongues really important? What is it about them, though, that makes them significant? What is it about this speaking with other tongues that makes it significant? Let's look at what Jesus said in Mark 16, 15 through 17. He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. But he that believes not shall be damned. Now you got to remember what they're hearing when they hear the word baptized. And this, of course, is one of those words in our uh, testament from Greek that wasn't translated. Sometimes you wonder why I just created a new word that we had to learn what it means. But in the, the hearing, people that heard this, he that believes and is immersed into that. Okay, this was talking about what? Because baptism in water is not the only baptism there is. We've already discussed that. But there is the baptism into Christ being put in him, into the body So he that is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. So Jesus' faith is behind this. Let me finish reading that passage. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I said in prayer and meditating on this one day, it's just pondering and Lord, help me understand that list. That can't be random. There seems to be some repetition. Why is it laid out that way? Help me understand what else you were saying there that somehow, because it doesn't seem to have everything and yet I know it must. So what is that? And this is what seemed to come to me. Where he said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Now, I didn't say other tongues here. He said new tongues. The word new comes from a Greek word meaning fresh. Fresh. When you're really yielded to the Holy Spirit, it's always fresh. If your prayer life If you're speaking with other tongues is dull, dry, 
boring? He's not enjoying it either. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like a shampoo commercial, doesn't it? Dry, listless, brittle. Yeah. So they shall speak with fresh. The language is always fresh. I said, Lord, what is that? He said, this, those two things. My name that will cast out devils, speak with new tongues, is a summary of authority at work in the unseen realm. Authority, what else is there? Authority over devils and the authority to operate in the spirit. How is authority how is authority uh, exercised? How do we exercise our authority? With our words. Tongues, we have been authorized. What do we read about what the Holy Spirit does? He announces, but he declares. What was declare? The authoritative affirmation of what has been told. There is an authority and speaking with other tongues. And I don't mean that all tongues, and we'll see this later, that all tongues has just said with us, it's a, it is, you are authorized. You are authorized in the realm of the spirit. How big a deal is that? Well, ask Adam when that angel was put at the entrance into that realm with a flaming sword that said, you cross this line, Bubba, and you'll be no more. And there had been nobody authorized us to stay in that realm since. This was the authority to operate and to stay in that realm and a constant refreshing all the time. So what about this serpents? Take up serpents, drink and eat deadly thing, shall not hurt them, lay hands on the sick. So what is that? He said, that is a summary of authority at work in the seen realm. You won't see those things over in, in the heavenly realm, but that's the authority at work in the natural realm. Words are the earmark of authority, whether it is God's word, God speaking, or God's delegated authority to man. Matthew 28, 18 says, all authority is given to me, go ye into all the world. Notice the two groups, the believers, the unbelievers. So we're talking about these two, and he says there's authority in both realms. And the authority in the realm, the heavenly spiritual realm, is, is, there's, it's tied up, the power of it, in other tongues. Tongues will take you where he wants you to go. Tongues is always available. Mark 16, 16, I'm saying this now, I don't, I, there's probably not anybody in this room, there might be, there could be somebody watching, and that you've either been told or you've uh, thought yourself or heard somebody else say it, that tongues is not for everyone. Um, and usually when somebody tells you that, that means, and that means you. Right. It's not for you. 
But Jesus said, everybody that believes, you're right, it's not for everyone, but it's for everybody that believes. In Acts, there is no record of anyone being told to wait or to be refused. 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I would that you all speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. All. That's two different times he says all. And I speak in tongues more than the pastor. Or I would that the power would the Pentecostals on the corner. No. All. All of you. 1 Corinthians 14, 39, forbid not to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, I will, I will, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. So it is a matter of, of our will. Our will to what? It's not just a matter of your will to speak in tongues. It's a matter of your will to yield to Him. Have to be so mindful in everything that where anything really where the word I is concerned, who I am in Christ, what I will do. Those can be wonderful, uh, godly, scriptural um, things to say and to know and to learn and to meditate and grow in. But it's real easy to begin to be so focused on the I, what I will and what, who I am. Well, you still nobody outside of him. And every now and then it's good to, to, to pass by that mirror. I'll say this phrase cause I love it so much. My dad said it and I think everyone should write this down, you know, stitch it on a pillow. Really. It's, <laughs> he said, I was really beating myself up over something. I was disappointed in my, my, I felt like I had inadequately walked in love with somebody that, you know, did, did something that was, um, it was hurtful to me. And I, I didn't, I didn't do bad, but I wasn't satisfied. But I mean, I was beating myself up over it. And I was talking to him about it. And he said, Terry, Self, you don't have to write Terry down. (laughs) Self-evaluation in the presence of faith is a good thing. Apart from faith, it is condemnation. And that's demonic. Self-evaluation in the presence of faith is a good thing. But apart from faith, it's condemnation, and that is demonic. Hallelujah. So, yes, we have a will and we choose. Somebody said to my dad one time, you mean you just turn the Holy Ghost off and on? He said, no, the Holy Ghost is always on. It's me I turn off and on. But it's to yield to him. This next point, I'm going to say it to you. I don't always announce my topic per point, but this one I think is worth it. Tongues 
is the master key to the realm of the spirit. Tongues and interpretation of tongues is the only operation of the spirit that's not in demonstration in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. It's mentioned, it's referred to, and you can see hints of it, but you don't see it in demonstration. Mentioned in Isaiah 28, 11, with stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak to this people? But the coming of the spirit in its fullness, all of the operations of the spirit are now on a higher dimension. So even at the highest heights of its operation in the Old Testament, it's at a higher operation now. One of the reasons why is because of its availability. It's availability to every believer. The operation of the spirit first is in the new birth and that's available to every person. But the operation of tongues is available to every believer. And so are the operation and gifts of the Spirit. We are all partakers of His divine nature. Glory to God. So it's not just the prophet, not just the king, not just the priest, not just the the Spirit of God as people were connected to the nation of Israel. That was all they had going for them. Being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues is the bridge to the operating in the higher dimension of the gifts, the higher dimension in prayer, and in all the operations of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I don't have no idea what time it it, is. Is it? What time is it? I think I'm, am I still on Fort Worth time? (laughs) When am I supposed to be done? When they start getting up and leaving? <laughs> Is it 9.30 p.m. or a.m.? <laughs> Y'all laugh, but I'm a Copeland. <laughs> that DNA bucket runs deep. <laughs> Praise God. See, they quit laughing when I said that. <laughs> Okay, I'm just getting further into my notes than I thought. So what am I going to have to say tomorrow? Okay, no, I'm kidding. Okay, <laughs> I have yet to run out. So with the coming of the Holy Spirit, all these operations in his fullness, all the operations of the Spirit that you can see in the Old Covenant, they all come up to a higher dimension and a higher operation because not only are they in you and you and you and you, but then something happens when we start operating together. Even even in this exchange that we're having right now, this is an operation of the Holy Spirit when when the word carried by an anointing and by grace is delivered, then all of a sudden that grace is then multiplied to every hearer in the room. His anointing, and then he is working that in each and every person in you, and he will work to do his will in a way that you don't even know yet. Thank you, Lord. Tongues, an overview of purpose. 1 Corinthians 14 is like a dictionary. There's no no other 
place in the Bible where tongues is so concentrated in its explanations. Now, my, I had a roommate when I was in college and um, been a friend of mine for many years, but she was Baptist. And in talking to her about being filled with the Holy Spirit, she actually would use some of the same verses that I'm going to talk to you about to tell me why it wasn't for everybody. So we have to understand what's happening in 1 Corinthians 14, 12, 13, and 14. And those three chapters really, you, they really do go together. But in chapter 14, what Paul was explaining is the difference between the working of tongues in the life of a believer and not understanding that because there, I think part of it was because is what I just said. They all understood there was this equality. Suddenly, there's a lot of people, and I'm I'm no better in Christ than you are. But then, with that, then there was no, uh, not only no order but no honor, no recognition of the work of the Holy Spirit through a ministry gift in its place, and so everybody decided that well. I got the Holy Ghost too, so I'll just, and then begin to compete, compete with that and be so demonstrative that nobody's getting anything. So the verses that you see in 1 Corinthians 14, where it would seem that he is correcting that, that was not to tell every believer that tongues is not for you. Right, right, right. That's right. But rather to understand the difference between tongues as an operative gift in a congregation because it's limited in its use there. And he tells why. But at the same time, we can go through and begin to see the, how tongues, different purposes, and then I'll show you why we need to know that. First Corinthians 14, being like a dictionary, it says difference or diverse kinds. Uh, Brother Jerry Seville thought that was... Um, Something that happened to scuba divers. He thought it was. A, <laughs> it says diverse kinds of tongues, meaning. Now, let me just say this before going further. We have to let the Holy Spirit show us. The Bible says so that you would know and comprehend the height, the depth, the width, the breadth. That's all dimensions, every dimensions, the full scope or the full orb. There are things about him that we, we pass over because we, we don't stop to let even a, the English word, we automatically assign it to what we already know only. So we say different kinds of tongues, we might automatically categorize that as well just because your tongue doesn't sound like your tongue. Well, while that's true, there's much more to it. There's much more depth to it than that. So what would that mean? It means that there is a variety of expressions, but there's also a variety of purpose. Tongues not only can, but it should, and not only should, it must be used in a far more specific and targeted manner at times, than the church has ever given heed to. Because without it, you can't really apply faith to it. Mm -hmm. 
you, you know that when you're, if you're going to release your faith, then you're going to be, to be accurately speaking faith uh, in your known language. You're going to have a specific word and add your faith to it as you release it. And you know that if you say words that are counter to that, or if you say those words without faith in them, yeah. what happens? And sometimes we rattle off in tongues completely disconnected from faith. There's no purpose in it. That's right. And it doesn't mean that we can't in a more casual manner pray in tongues, but I'll give you even purposes in that as we go. But to be mindful of purpose. Always mindful, even in your praying over your meal. Be mindful. Do it in purpose. My dad says, I don't pray over this food because it's the religious thing to do. I pray over it because I have to eat it. And these days, brothers and sisters, that's no joke. You start reading about how they're wanting to put that mRNA stuff in your food, inject it into where vegetables grow with it in there, and beef and meat with it in there. Come on now. So praise the Lord. Tongues is mentioned 15 times in 1 Corinthians 14. So it's not a side topic. But honestly, how many times have you heard lessons on tongues specifically? Not just that you should or just being filled with the Spirit, but specific instruction in order to develop your faith and purpose in praying in other tongues, speaking in other tongues. Not very many, not hardly any at all. So it's not a side topic. Expressions of the Spirit. I wanted to take a moment to show this to you. This is, um, I remember one time the Lord dropped that phrase in my heart, expressions of the Spirit. I was thinking about it. I thought, how many expressions of the Spirit? People I pick on the front row all the time. Let me find some. Let me see. How many expressions of the Spirit would you say there are? I mean, the first thing that would come to your mind, different ways the Spirit would express Himself. Countless. Well, well, I thought nine. Ten, maybe. Nine. Holy Spirit, right? Right. Nine gifts of the Spirit. I thought, well, that's the... It all fits right in that, right? And so He told me, when you start reading... I was reading through my Bible, you know, the, the, the year, I think it was, it must have been about that. Of course, we, the um, reading order we have, we have Psalms every weekend. So always reading through Psalms through the year. He said, begin to watch as you're reading through Psalms, begin to watch. And he began to open my eyes to expressions. Um, I have not, Trace and I were talking about this today. We, and I, I didn't finish. I didn't, I didn't finish it through the rest of the year, I was writing things down. And so it's not completely tidied up and so forth, but we counted, but the list that I have in front of me today, it was somewhere around, was it 300 and 350, closer to 400? Wow. Different ways the Holy Spirit expressed himself. Bible expression. The tongues of men and angels, diversity. How many, how many ways can you say the word, oh, 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 
each one of those expresses something else. Each one of those little, 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 and then what you put it with and what it's about and who it's to. You know, looking at my kids. Oh, well, they knew what that meant. They meant, they knew that meant, uh uh-oh. So I want to read just a few of these to you, just just to to quicken your thinking about this. Um, I mean, seriously, it's pages of it. Um, Get on the right page. Being dumb, and I don't, I don't mean like stupid dumb, but can't speak. His hand on me, and I was dumb. Stricken dumb. That's all different. There's a difference between this and... (laughs) Sometimes an expression is a process. I mused or meditated thinking on it. A fire burned, then I spoke. Somewhere in that place, fire began to come up and words came out of it. I believe that's prophecy of the day of Pentecost. As they meditated on what happened, the fire burned and words came out. There's many, many, many different ways silence is mentioned. Silence of pouring your heart out in silence. A connection so deep that there are no words, no outward sound, but an inward. There is a silence that can't be heard outwardly, but it's busy on the inside. But it's silence, it's a silence. But there's a silence that grows quiet on the inside as well as the outside. There's a silence that comes because you choose to be. There's a silence that comes because you have no words. Each one of those is a separate expression. And any one of those things can be married to tongues. Any one of those can be, can come, can be part of the expression of tongues. Tongues can be wrapped in one of those. Tongues can lead to one of those. Thirsting. Meditating in the night is not the same. It doesn't produce the same thing as meditating on the couch with your coffee in hand. Meditating on the night watches. What is that? It's watching, watching for change. Watching, there's something about watching for movement. Watching, he'll show you things to come. What is that meditating? I I see the next hour coming. I see the next moment coming. I see the next move coming. And the watches. Whole being following hard after you. My whole being follows. There are times in prayer, it just follows so hard that it's just almost exhausting to get so hard. I have to. Well, you couldn't live in that place. 
like that, but it's an expression. It can be expression of your spirit under the influence and guide of the Holy Spirit. Longing. I'll lift up my inner self. Longing and praying. Longing and praying that someone be saved. There's a different kind. Longing. Longing has all kinds of expressions. I can long for God. I can long for people. Crying. Multiple kinds of crying. Groaning. And here's one of the ways this came to me. So I was in Australia. A friend of mine and I, we went and we're doing a, a prayer conference in a church there. And this was actually one of the very first ones we had ever done. It was just in a church, a small church. Uh, and I knew it was a buildup to a bigger conference in Australia. So we were there and she's in her room and I'm in my room and we're praying. And she called me. She said, Pastor, she said, I, I, just something's happening. I don't know what to do with it. She said, but I'm trying to pray in tongues and I can't. She said, all I can do is sigh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Said, really? What do you mean? She said, all I can do when I get over and pray, I just go. <sighs> mm-hmm. <sighs> uh-huh. <sighs> I said, well, I guess that's what you better do. I said, well, I have to see what the word says. So we looked it up. It's all through. David talked about it. Yeah. He'll sigh. See, we just read past those. Sure. Yeah. But you know where the, one of the greatest one was? Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. Yeah. And, and if you go back into the group, it, uh, Greek, it actually says he snorted like a horse. Wow. He, what these, they, all these people are saying to him? Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love telling that story. I just, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Roll away that stone. Praise God. So when you start to, there's trances, tears pouring out your soul, the sigh of the spirit. Uh, groaning, the different sounds in prayer, the sound of my cry. Different cries have different sounds. And in different sounds, why different sounds? They have different purpose. And our purposes sometimes, think about this too. In prayer, some prayer, some prayer is to God from our place of looking to him. Some prayer is from, when I say prayer, it's not, I'm not talking just about request. Right. I'm talking about spiritual communication. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Some prayer is prayed from the throne, seated with him. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, there's a faith command, yes. you know, or, or a, a, a place of revelation that comes, not because I'm asking for it, but because he's speaking it to me and there's an exchange for purpose. There's also prayer that then abandons both those places, steps down with the guy that, that needs the, the lost yeah. or the sick or the dying yeah. or the oppressed yeah. and identifies with them. Yes. And with 
somehow, and God begins to cry out to God from their place, not mine. It somehow connects with them and takes them up and presents them to him and gives him something to work with. There can be a cry associated with any of those, but they have different purpose. They have different sound. Tongues itself can come out that way. It can come out in a cry. Sometimes the cry is tongues. It is the language, the language of men, the language of angels. It's the language of both realms brought together to operate in the spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Singing. Oh my goodness. All the different the music, applications of music and places, um, perspectives and positions of it and what it's for. And, and, and if you go through and you read in some translations, it will give you at the heading, it'll say this was for the, for the flute. Right. When musicians right. pay attention, that means the flute makes a sound that opens that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's under his direction, not just because you decided, but under his direction. Hallelujah. Somehow I closed my notebook. Where did I go? Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Really good. So the expressions of the Spirit. Tongues can employ any expression, any combination expression. And I'm sure some, plenty of them that I didn't recognize. But I hope that helps you as you read through the scripture, you start to see those things were happening. What about our part? Well, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 and 2 Corinthians 6, 1 both speak of us as fellow workers with God, co-laborers with him. I'll read 6.1 to you in the Amplified. Laboring together as God's fellow workers with him, then, we beg of you not to receive the grace of God in vain. I just, it's sad, but so much of our praying in tongues, we, we receive that grace in vain in the sense that it's so little of what it's intended to do. It's so little of what it should be accomplishing. It's so, so little. We've known so little. Even in our best of moments, how far short have we fallen? And he said, I beg you, don't receive the grace of God in vain. The merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence on souls. It's very important to remember this, that word. His influence on souls turns them to Christ, strengthening them. Don't receive it to no purpose. Hallelujah. So this, I will speak with other tongues 
And yet Romans 8, 14 says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. It actually says those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And I wondered about that. So that makes it sound like you're not a Christian if you're not. No. Sons doesn't mean child. It means matured. Those that are led by the Spirit are those who have matured. So there is a maturing process. A mature, there's room for maturing and growing with no end to it. A maturing in our, our, with our will, we learn to use our will yielded to him. And in doing so, we become co-laborers with him. Because remember, that's really what this, that's why we're, we're here. That's why we're still in this planet, in this natural atmosphere. We are born again, yet we are in this natural world. We have a short, short, short time frame of life on this planet by which we can be in the natural and yet flow and, and live from the spirit. And that's essential to God's plan. So this I will and being led is how we become co-laborers with him. Because God said he's not going to do anything in the earth apart from what he says I, he does it through man. Right. Yeah. So this last, this last verse, and we'll close here. Romans 8, 5, and 6. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds. Now remember the soul. Now that has a broad context there in 2 Corinthians 6, 1. But it also really means the soul. The soul. What is your soul? Most of us have heard it defined so many times. It is our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's that, that it's part of the inner man. It's divinely connected to the spirit. They aren't separate. They, they, Mine separated there on that uh, dirt road in Guatemala. I had all three parts doing something different. <laughs> I mean, I saw the Trinity right there. You know, my mind was in tiptoeing through the tulips. My body was just beating so hard. It was, felt like my heart was going to come out of my chest, the adrenaline. And yet I was praying in other tongues. So I saw all those three. Thank, thank God that doesn't happen that way all the time. But I, there was a great demonstration. But the soul is divinely connected to the spirit. And in that soul, he says here, he says this, the, according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the mind, the, the mind, the soul, and the will, the emotions, really the soul of man, it's like, it's like a, I don't know what they call those on a train track, you know, where the, the train comes and it can go this way or it can go that way. But there's a lever and that lever determines which way it's going to go. And there is a time and a purpose for either one. Okay. We got a brain for a reason. There are, there are, your body learns things for a reason, a reason. And it's not meant to be a spiritual drain every time you just go to pick something up. 
or to make the even most especially the kind of decisions that you make throughout the day that you don't even notice you made. Yet to be so sensitive to the spirit, your inner man, and the Holy Spirit within, so that any moment the Holy Spirit and your spirit by the Holy Spirit can throw that switch and say, you better pay attention on here. Don't, this, is, this, this is not a routine moment. But the same thing is true in, in prayer. And we need to be far more conscious of that switch being turned and not draw praying from our mind. Ephesians 6 says, praying at all times with all manner of prayer in the spirit. Well, it can't be meaning that the only prayer you can pray is in tongues. So in that instance, praying in the spirit does not mean exclusively. He's not referring to praying in tongues exclusively. He said all manner of prayer. So maybe a better way to say that there is to, with all manner of prayer by the spirit, by the spirit, all kinds of prayer, always being ready for that, those prayers to be drawn up out of your spirit. Always and hooked, or another way to say it is what we started with earlier. Always being hooked to your faith. Faith is what makes the difference. Faith is what will throw throw that lever. Faith is what connects you to draw out of your spirit. You do it by faith. And if you get over into your head and you're trying to figure out what that's like and what you do to make that happen, that's not faith. Faith knows that Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they hear me. My sheep, he said, they know my voice and he said, they hear my voice and they obey it. Well, if he said his sheep hear his voice and I'm his sheep, I'm going to hear. I'm going to hear. Clark Taylor from Australia. Man, if you ever get a hold of some of his messages. Uh, he discovered Mark 11, 23, 24, long about the same time Brother Hagen did, close to it, without ever hearing Brother Hagen. Wow. And he sounds like him, you know. Wow. I, I'm not sure he's still alive. He was younger than Brother Hagen, but anyway. But he said this. He said, drop down into Jesus. Drop down into Jesus. Drop down into Jesus. How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues? Okay. Every one of you can remember, most of you, all of you can, you first filled with the Holy Spirit, and that whether it was for a flash or maybe over a period of years where you're, you can't figure out where to find those words. You can't figure out where to find them. But then there's, at some point, there's a connect. And you know where the words are coming from. You go, ah, that's where they are. And they don't come out of here. Now you can, you, you, you can learn to speak in tongues and be disconnected from it. And Paul referenced that kind of tongues as apart from faith and love. And it's just, it's just noisy. Anyway, by faith, you hook up to that. That same thing where you had to search for it I challenge you, don't let that get away from you. Yeah. Still search. That's good. He that seeks yes. will find. Yes. That knocks, the door will be open. That's that's ask, 
it's given. Never lose. Never misplace your seeker. Always be looking, always watching. My, my, maybe one of my personal um, scriptures, prayer, prayer motto scriptures, Habakkuk 2, 1, and the Amplified said, I will station myself on my post of observation and I will watch to see what he will say within me and what answer I will make as his mouthpiece. Station myself on my post of observation and I will watch to see within me what answer I will make as his mouthpiece. And I challenge you to that, um, to draw, learn, you practice to it. And even, I mean, I've on purpose practiced this for years and yet how easy it is to get to a place to where if you don't stop on purpose, remember that word? On purpose, by faith. And one of the ways you can challenge yourself to that is don't let your tongues always be the same. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, don't, don't, just don't even let it. Just begin, even with the tongues that you are familiar with, on purpose using them to find fresh ones. Yes. Speaks in new tongues, fresh tongues, a fresh flow. Proverbs 20, 27, a Bible school students have to be able to quote this by heart or they don't get to graduate. Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man, and they have to confess, say it just this way. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching the inward parts, P-A-R-T-S. Searching the inward parts or places. Now, let me say this last thing. I promise this last one. <laughs> Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. But if you look at the actual Greek words, it doesn't really say mansions. Don't be disappointed. I'm sure you got a nice place. <laughs> it's in my father's abiding. There are many abiding places. God has places in him. And then Jesus said, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. We are in his image and there are places. There are places to flow from, graces to flow from, countless, countless countless, innumerable, immeasurable places. It's innumerable how many parts and places there are in your body. Every, you think about every cell, how many cells are in your body? When I was growing up and going to school, there were three parts to a cell. Not so, they, there's a whole lot more than that they found. Each, each of those parts have parts and some of those parts have parts and some of those parts have now, I suspect there are parts to those parts, but I don't know if we got down that small. <laughs> but to just allow him. Yes. And in practicing that, if you keep it fresh, you'll find it easier for those parts. Yes. 
And when you're in a in prayer group, and praying with other people, that gal I was telling you about in Australia, oh, she just had, she just had a way of tenderness. She would start to pray and this, it was almost tangible, it was tangible, this tender, tenderness between her and the Lord and him to her and it was just an atmosphere and I wanted that more developed in my life where I've been more developed in that bring it on piece but I wanted that part but in praying with her on purpose just the two of us we praying in tongues. And it didn't matter what she's praying in tongues, praying in ink, it didn't matter. It was there. Yeah. And so, okay, I'm listening to her, but I'm looking in myself as I'm praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, and I'm taking those tongues, and I'm looking for that place. Because whatever's in her is in me if it's, if it's in the image of him. And I found it. Praise God. found it. And I began to pull on that. And we'll practice some of these things in the morning. But that, to connect that with her. And I'm oh God, I found it. And then just to keep barking that with her so I can find it easily again. So now I can practice that on purpose should I need to find myself becoming hard, edgy. And guys, my... My job, oh my goodness, what I, my job, what Nancy was saying, it's um, anybody's job will have a lot of different moving parts and elements, but my job, the diversity of it sometimes is, is wild, whether it's television or pastoring or, or the clinic or maintenance or security or building projects. I think it was like a dozen building projects on my desk right now that we're working on and IT and all of that. And it's like this and you're going from one box to the other, right? And you can get, get hard to spiritual things. Even though I can be flowing in the spirit and all those things and yet when I try to get over out of that, it's like there's nothing there. But to know how, because you practiced it, to stop, ask him to help, and then develop that. It's the same thing in gratitude, appreciation, praise. I told the Lord one time, said, I am not being very grateful right now. I can tell because I'm complaining. And if you're complaining, then you're not grateful. I said, I find myself complaining too much. So help me and develop it. Help me find gratitude in my spirit, find that part. I want to find the grateful part. I'll look for the part. And out of that, maybe we'll practice that tomorrow too if we get to it. Amen. There you go. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Now do you see why so many men come to the ladies' conference? The only thing that's ladies about the ladies' conference is a lineup of speakers, not the attenders. But when she was ministering, you, you know you've got to go back and listen. 
numerous over and over and over and over and over. But so many of us in here, she said, how many of you are filled with the Holy Ghost? And we all raised our hands, but there might've been somebody, go ahead and stand with me to your feet, everyone. But there might've been someone when she asked that, that couldn't raise your hand. And we know being a believers meeting that probably born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. But if you're in here and you say, I've been born again, but I've never been filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We don't want to assume or presume that that would be everyone in here. So right now, if you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, it's just a deeper dimension of God. You heard her talking a further place. So if that's you and you say, I want. See, Jesus is the gift that belongs to the whole world, but those who belong to Jesus, there's another gift. And so that's the Holy Spirit. When, when God offers and provides another gift for you, don't leave that unclaimed. But this further dimension, you can move. Amen. So if you say, I've been, I've been born again, but I've never been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Raise your hand real quick right now. Come up here, love. Anybody else over here? Come up here. Anybody else? Come up here. You don't want to leave this building tonight without all this, this, these deeper flow that belongs to you and keeps things so fresh. You heard it, right? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Are, are the three of you born again? You're born again? Are you born again, love? You born again? You born again? Yeah. Oh, so now you, you come for all of it, all that he's provided. And you and you're born again, love? You've been born again. Hallelujah. Uh, congregation, reach out your hand toward these. Um, I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I do, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And you're going to have a sense of wanting to speak out in other tongues. Now, it does, don't, don't look for words in your mind. These don't come from your mind, but from here, there will be a bubbling up, a sense. And your tongue may want to seem to say something, but you'll sense something. Uh, and, and you have to open your mouth and just start speaking out from here. Don't wait for words to pop into your head that you're going to form. They won't do that. They'll just come up here and your, your tongue directly connected to that that flow of utterance. Amen? So easy. So easy. So easy. So when I lay hands on you, you just open your mouth and you start speaking out those utterances. Amen? And the congregation, we're going we're gonna to speak along with you. I'm going to ask you step down just a step and let you step down. I just don't want you near that pulpit. That pulpit is stronger than any of us. So just reach out your hands. Congregation, just reach out your hands toward them. Father, say this after me. Say, Jesus, I'm so grateful to call you Lord, but there's more. The Holy Spirit to fill me with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So I receive this marvelous heavenly gift right now. And I expect to speak with other tongues as evidence that he fills me. 
Hallelujah. So speak out in Jesus' name. Speak out. Just speak out. Just speak out, love. Just speak out in Jesus' name. Give voice to that. It's not in your mind. You just speak it out. That's it, love. Just keep doing it. Just speaking that out. Hallelujah. It's not going to come to your mind. You have to move your tongue. You have to move your mouth. And he'll feel it with those utterances. Yeah, there you go. Hallelujah, Mashtakaria da Bostoria da Besikikikie, Mashtakaria da Bostokoria da Bakakaye. There you go, love. There you, Mashtakaria da Bostoria da Bakaria da Bostoria da Bakakaye. Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Mashtaka, and uh, listen, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Um, uh, see this ring right here? It's a gift. The person who gave me the gifts, this gift, I don't have to call them and say, can I wear it? Because they gave it into my care, anytime I want, I can put it on. Amen? I can wear it every day if I want. So, so is this the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can speak in tongues anytime. You don't have to wait to come to church. You don't have to wait to feel something because he's the gift. Amen. He's a gift to your life. So when you're driving in your car, when you're, when you're doing things around the house, when you're running errands, anytime you want, amen, you don't have to wait to be in church. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, well, I want to make sure that all four of you receive what you came up here for. Plus, we have some teaching material to get into your hands. I'm going to ask where, where, who? Uh, right here. Uh, come on up, Dean Graves and, and Miss Janine. Right here. These people run our Bible school. I have confidence in them. And they have something. They'll pray with you and they will give you literature that when you go home, you can read on this and, and find out what you received tonight. Amen. Um, you might have left stuff at your chair. It'll be safe. There's no thieves in here. And they'll just, just a moment and then you can come back. And just raise your hand and, and let them see who they're going to follow. And you just follow them real quickly right now and you'll be back in a few moments. Give them a great big God bless you as they go. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.